Good morning and welcome to Let's Start Gardening. And uh, that's uh, the Rocky theme. And we've lived the Rocky theme down at Spruce It Up for the last, uh, well, since we took over in 2006 when we opened up the store, Rocky was there with us. So he was our longest serving teammate. And uh, so we're just going to say we had to say goodbye to Rocky this past weekend. Um, he had his last round and, and he definitely had a lot of rounds and for all the people that uh, have been around Spruce It Up over the years he, uh, he Rocky was a big part uh, lots of customers come in and always said hi to Rocky and he said hi to lots of lots of the people and kids he was so tolerant with kids poking him, feeling him he never ever did anything, he just took it and loved it and so we just want to uh, did a little tribute to Spru- or to Rocky and uh, thank him for all his years of service. And, uh, and this thanks for all the kind wishes on Facebook and uh, Instagram and all that from all the from all our our great customers and people that come in to spruce it up. So just wanted to say uh, thanks and uh, a little tribute to Rocky. We've had lots of great stories. He'd love to go down to, we have a little snake pit down on the hill. He'd go down and grab a snake and he'd love to bring it up and uh and battle with it in front of everybody he would bring a he's had a couple battles of weasels in the store and outside the store in front of people um gophers um he'd love to just chew the head off and he'd eat the head off the gopher and then leave the rest of it so everyone could see that he did his job (laughs) and uh and countless mice so uh lots of fun with rocky over the years and uh Anyways, so lots of, a little bit of sadness around Spruce this past weekend, having to say goodbye to a good friend. So um, rest in peace, little buddy, and uh, and uh, thanks for all your all your service and great uh, great times. And uh, you affected everybody there. It's amazing. So, anyways, we're gonna move on with our show, and this is Let's Talk Gardening, and September the first. So everyone, mark your calendars. 90 days from today, which is actually December the 1st. It works out that uh, when I was going through the <laughs> Starbucks lineup this morning, um, we were discussing the snow that uh, it typically they like to say after after 90 days, after a heavy fog, we will get lots of moisture. So let's mark our calendars and see if this happens December the 1st-ish, sort of in that time frame. We will uh, probably get some uh, lots of... Uh, of moisture coming down. So we'll see how that goes. A lot of times it's pretty close, usually within a day or so. And here we got one text here already, lots of few texts already. And if you'd like to join me, the phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. Or if you're from out of town, 1-800-563-7770. And uh, we got one here from a... Uh, Chris out in Valley Ridge. Hi, love your show. I live in Valley Ridge, and on Friday received notice that the 25-year-old stand of poplars along the highway will be removed next week. This is a sound barrier and a canopy of trees that have been there a long time for our backyards, just around nicer. We don't want them removed and have contacted all levels of government with no results. Most people in Valley Ridge have no idea this is going to happen. I just want to get the word out before it's too late. As long-time listener and a tree lover and garden lover, it's sad to see stuff like this happens without consultation. And I, I, I think I know which ones you're talking about, and they look very healthy. So if they could stay, I know the city leaves a lot worse trees in areas and plant trees in way worse areas. So I, I don't know all the details, so I, I'm not going to comment either way. 
Um, but those ones do look pretty healthy. I know which ones when you're driving along. Um, so I'm not sure if there, maybe that's part of the expansion of the highway or, or, or what, what it is, but, uh, anyways, good luck, Chris, and hopefully you get all the right answers and they can explain, um, why and, uh, that is happening if it is and what is the proper, uh, methods of, uh, of maybe not it not happening. So, and I just got another text here. Good morning. I want to cut down my clematis to get it on another lattice next year. Can you tell me when is a good time of the year to cut it down? Um, Dorn. Dorn, I would just wait till it's totally frozen and dies back completely. At that point, just cut it right down, install your new trellis, and the next spring it'll come up from the bottom again. And that should uh, that should work out great for you. And I hopefully I got a couple guests. I got uh, a sustainable gardening um, guest calling in. And then also I have uh, Tim Kitchen, I believe Kitchen is calling in, and he's from the Cidery. He's going to talk about the Harvest.ca program and that how he works with them to receive um, all the fruit around, not all the fruit, but the excess fruit that people don't want. Um, they'll actually come to your house and pick all the fruit off your trees for you. And then they take it and make some delicious cider. And actually, there's a credit program as well where you get uh, a little bit of a cash back for uh, purchasing cider. So a win-win for everybody involved on that one. So um, let's see. Uh, we can help them out and uh, and get them some uh, much-needed fruit. There's been lots of great fruit around the city this year. So Hopefully, uh, hopefully that works out for them. And right now, I'm going to go to the phone line. We're going to chat with John. Good morning, John. Oh, good morning. How you Sorry doing? Sorry to hear about Rocky. Yeah, no, it was uh, it's a it was a sad day, but sometimes near the end, um, he just wasn't able to keep anything down anymore, and he was just getting too old. And yeah. it's just some unfortunately, it's it's. Uh, but he had a great run, so. Uh, like I said, it's sad, but it's also for a guy to go somewhat in that 18-year range for a cat. Um, I think he, and he, it's amazing, John. You'd watch him spring, May, long weekend, car, like our parking lot is jam-packed, cars going in and out. He would just swerve his way through the parking lot and like nonchalantly and no one, like never, ever an issue. And uh, it was always kind of funny, so... Well, he was always on the counter when I went through. Anyway. Oh, I know he loved being up there, and he'd pretend like he didn't want to be pet, but he sure, sure loved when people greeted him and uh, and gave him a little pet. He he definitely loved all that. Yeah, but he wouldn't uh, push out that uh, gift card that he was. Most of <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, how can I help you today, John? Well, what's the uh, your schedule now for fall fertilizing? Um, well, right now is a great time was when you want to um, fertilize um, your your lawn. Um, get your fall fertilizer on there, do the final application. And on your trees and shrubs, um, once they start dropping leaves, you can add you can start doing the fertilizer. Unless you're using like rage plus, you can apply that right now or zero ten ten. Um, I know we're starting our deep root injections um, for fertilizing through the prune it up um, department, and uh, so that that's going to be starting this month. So this is the time when you kind of do all your fertilizing and get the fer- nutrients down into the roots, 
so that way the trees and your and your lawn have all that energy for next spring and able to to just give her when uh, when that starts thawing and gets going. Yeah, for the roots for sure, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, and that's why, like, with our 16326, so there's three levels of fertilizing. Like, the spring, you do the heavy fertilizer, like, the first full the full application. In the summer, you cut it by a third, and then in the fall, you cut it by one-third again. So it's a, it's definitely a lighter um, application in the fall. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you just go down by a third, a third, a third. So it's just enough to get in there, give it some nutrients to get through the winter, and then you, then you're good to go. Good. Alrighty. And uh, I've got your uh, pruning service coming out sometime. Awesome. Five yeah, I'm yeah. super proud of Mark. Uh, Mark has joined us, and he was with Trozo Tree Care, and uh, and we joined forces so to become one of the best locally owned um, pruning companies here in uh, in Calgary. And Mark is really starting to take us to the next level. We got two crews going, and they're they're doing some fabulous work out there, and. It's just uh, really proud of him. He's doing a great, great job and and really taking us to the next level and uh, and uh, super happy with with the results of uh, of the pruned up dudes. Yeah, looking forward to that. And thanks, Ashley, for uh, keeping me informed. Absolutely. Yeah. Do. No. And Ashley looks after everybody on that end. She's uh, she works with Mark. She's also our social media. So all those great pictures and things that you see on on our Facebook and Instagram, but also she works and does the admin part with Mark and keeps the pruned up guys going. So great crew. Thanks. Thanks, John. Take Take care. care. Bye-bye. And uh, a nice thing from Colleen. I'm sure Rocky is in cat heaven. Absolutely. He is. He, if anybody is, uh, it would definitely be him. And uh, Elizabeth also has a a question or or a text. Should I cut back my bleeding heart before winter? Or leave it to rot. Also, I want to move it. Should I wait till spring? I, I would wait till spring to move it. And yes, I like to leave most of my perennials, everything on top. That's where procrastination is okay. If we lived in Victoria or Vancouver or England, things like that, um, a lot of our gardening um, instruction comes from areas where there's higher populations and they're not necessarily. I like to believe that Mother Nature. Um, needs that foliage and let it die back. It protects it. And plus all that energy goes back into the root bulb for your bleeding heart. So definitely leave it. And then I would move it as soon as you can dig down like next spring. Like it's, so it'll be early, early mid April, depending on the year, if we're not frozen solid still, but whenever you can get in and move it, um, pre-dig your hole and get as much as you can out of your bleeding heart and move it and try and keep it at the same level as it is today when you when you do move it into the new thing. And a product that you'd really want to use is either Rage Plus or 105210 or the Mike's program or the Mike's, um, you rub that on the roots, the mycorrhiza. It's really good for helping with the transplanting of your thing. I read a thing the other day on on one of the gardening, and they said some garden center told them to put um, bones, like actual cow bones, into the hole of their tree. I'm just like, I don't know. That's just a bit of a, I wouldn't do that. Like, there's so much better ways of, uh, that we don't have dogs and raccoons and everybody in there digging up the bones out of the, around your tree. Like, we have really good 
um, horticultural grade bone meal that you don't need to um, bury bones in in your in your trees when you plant it. Uh, I think sometimes people read too much, and uh, and sometimes that is. Uh, isn't the way I would do it. Anyways, that's just me. And uh, where are we at for time? We probably should take a break, eh, Brian? All right. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's largest full-service garden center with everything you need inside and out. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And I, I just still, when I look outside um, uh, September 1st, and it definitely feels like a fall, autumn morning. You see the colors of the le- leaves are starting to change. It's foggy. Um, it's September. Hard to believe. And I got a text from Nina. Is it good to cut peonies and all perennials down to the ground before winter or leave it till spring? I believe I just answered that, but I'm going to answer one more time. Absolutely. Um, I prefer to leave all your perennials up um, in until spring. And that way, I believe that um, Mother Nature, um, when they fall a certain way, like your lily, peonies, and the foliage helps protect it. And it acts like a mulch and protect it over the winter for most of your stuff. And when I cut it back is I just look for little green starting to come up early, early spring. And then at that time, that's when I cut back all the foliage. And don't wait too long when it starts growing up into it. But then that's uh, sort of how I would do it. Um, wait until wait until you start seeing the green, the green coming up. Another thing you can do at this time of year is really important. It does make a big difference is, is mulching in your, your shrub beds, your flower beds, your peony beds. And you can either use like the cocoa moss, you can use the hemp product, mix that in around all your perennials. And that, it really, really works good because it holds moisture in. So I just, I'd mix that into the top one or two inches of your soil. And then all that nutrients is there for next spring. But it also, when it gets wet before wintertime frees up, it's going to really help keep your soil frozen and, and keep it, um, this so it stays frozen over the winter. So then that product's hemp sense. I'd mix that in into the top of my soil. It's a great uh, soil amendment that you can add to your soil and just mix it in. Plus, it's 100% renewable resource, which I also like rather than using the peat moss. And then also either one or the cocoa moss is another good one because it's a renewable. But I like the the hemp one as it's grown. It's a Canadian product. And uh, and if, wherever we can support our Canadian brothers, I think we should try and do, especially if it's a great product. So I would uh, definitely look at that. And... It says here, I'm sorry, I missed what fertilizer I should my bushes for a winter fertilizer. Is it liquid or granular? Well, right now you can use a liquid. It's 01010 or I think it's 01212. There's a couple, but you don't want too much of the nitrogen out front or the Rage Plus you can use right now or the granular, like you can mix in the Groundskeeper's Pride, like the 845 into the soil and and do that and then the next two or three weeks once all the leaves start going you could fertilize like with a 15 30 15 10 52 10 for your flowering your fruit trees let them go dormant a bit when they start dropping because they're not sucking anything up 
Um, definitely put in some phosphorus, like the 15-30-15, into, into the ground. So that way when it goes next spring to produce those blooms and everything to get that beautiful fruit, you're going to have some phosphate in there um, to enable it to create lots and lots of nice blooms. So, And it says here, when should I plant my garlic and also other veggies should I plant over the winter? Spinach is one you can do right now. Garlic is a fall one as well. Um, so those are the two that I know. I love when I get the pictures from our listeners. They send me pictures of the, of the spinach coming up in April, and that just looks so crisp and nice. So... Right now, if you can plant some some spinach for next, um, but I'd wait still wait till end of September when the ground starts cooling off. Otherwise, it'll germinate too quick. You want to wait till your ground is cool. Same with fall bulbs; they all arrive. So, a garlic is a great one for the fall. But again, let's just wait a couple more weeks. I know they're in. So, if you're looking for certain ones, get out and pick them up. Keep them in a cool, dark place. Mid September to October. Wait till the ground cools off a bit. Um, before we start planting our bulbs or sowing any of our winter crops into there. But right now, I'm going to go to the phone lines, and we're going to talk to Jim really quick. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. How can I help you? Uh, I have a, a small greenhouse, 6 by 12, with tomatoes. Yep. And the uh, white flies have taken it over. Uh, those are nasty. Yeah, um, I've... Yeah, one of the products you can use is is Pure Spray Green. You can try that. And I always have a fond memory of uh, Gord Jensen, and he was the he was the owner back in the day of Sunnyside when I was the head grower, worked down there. And uh, Gord and I would be back in the looking at the crops, and we'd walk around, and he would, he was smoking back in the day, and he'd flick his cigarette every so often, and then just uh, hey Merle, you got white fly on your plants, and sort of this the little ash flying around would look like white fly. So whenever someone tells me I have white fly, I always get a little flashback of of my time with Gord Jensen walking around. It was always a very very enjoyable conversations with that man. So yeah, I don't know if I maybe I mixed it up to too uh, strong, but uh, it makes the plant turn black. Yeah, you probably mixed it too strong. It, it's, yeah, I definitely follow it, um, the directions, because if you put too much on, yeah, it will it suffocates it because it's an oil. Okay. All right. And is there anything I should do for next year so that... Um, just uh, clean your soil out. Um, use new soil next year, which yeah. you should do most of the time anyways. Are you yeah. growing them in pots? Both pots and uh, in I the ground. In a bed, yeah. Yeah, um, try and change the soil. Use that soil out in your flower bed. You can use it as a winter mulch. Like just dump it into your flower beds outside. Mm-hmm. And are you using a soilless mix or real soil? Like uh, a combination. Okay, I would try just going straight soilless next year. Like just our like our bag of our spruce it up mix or something like that, or the BX or. Or the, I forget the other brand, but we have a couple organic tomato or organic veggie soils that work really, really well. Okay. It just, that way it's sterilizing and you get a lot less bugs. Okay. All right. And uh, another question. I just got to put you on hold, actually, because I okay. got to take a, a break for the news. So let's put you on cold, quick, Jim, and we'll come okay, back to you. Thanks. All right. Need to take a break for the news you're listening to. Let's talk gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and thanks to Brian with all the tribute music to Rocky. 
cats and flowers. What a great subject. And right now I'm going to go back to Jim, and he has one more question. Good morning, Jim. Welcome back. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, I, I was just going to get some of your seed to go over crabgrass. Yeah. How, how late in the season can I wait to do that? Um, you, you just want to top dress your, your grass? Yes. Um, uh, to be honest, at this time of the year, I would wait till next spring. Because um, really, it's just going to sit there all winter. Like, well, no, I want to reseed over crabgrass. Okay. And I thought you did it in the fall. No. Um, oh, no. How much crabgrass do you got? Well, I've got an area maybe uh, uh, 20 by 15. Okay. If it's full of that, I would round up that whole area, let it totally die back. And you can even do that if you don't if you, if you don't want to sit with it being dead all winter, I guess. And I did, the next spring, I would just rototill it up, and then then rake it all out nice, and then reseed it at that point. Okay, great. Because trying to fight if it's that full of crabgrass, I would. It's just it's going to be a hard battle. Um, the seed you put in is going to be really tough to try and take over. So I would just, but make sure when you use the Roundup, spray it all, but let it totally die. Like let the grass, because the quack grass has a real long root system. And mm-hmm. if, you, if you try and pull it up before it's dead, it, it just, the roots are still alive. So let it get down there. And uh, so this week is a good week to do that. It's supposed to be quite warm here coming up. Um, so it'll be a great week to do that. Okay, great. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jim. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Let's go to Mervyn. Good morning, Mervyn. Uh, good morning, Merle. How are you today? Good, good. How can I help you? Well, I have a couple of questions. Um, so in my grass, I've got this this weed, a sort of creeping thing with the green-yellow flowers. What's the best thing to kill that off? Um, is it f- leafy or kind of fuzzy? No, it's kind of leafy. Yeah, okay. Then I would use Killax as your best product that you can use in your grass. Because okay. um, it's a selective herbicide, like a Roundup, like I recommend for the last caller, that's a non-selective herbicide, so that kills everything green. Yeah. Um, and Killax is a selective herbicide, so it does broadleaf. It won't kill your grass in that. Okay, sounds good. And then I had a second question about my strawberry plant. Now, this year I had lots of blooms, but no fruit. Huh. Uh, you're lacking pollinators, like any kind of bees or something to help pollinate that. Yeah, no, this area has hardly any pollinators around at all. Yeah, so okay. uh, unfortunately with that, um, what you can do next time is, even if you get a little Q-tip and you sort of rub the pollen back and forth, or right. try and attract, plant a few more flowers in your yard and see if you can get a few more pollinators in to help out with that kind of thing. Because you should, if you have lots of blooms, you should be getting fruit on there. Right. Okay. Already? Okay. And then just one quick other question, and this this won't take long. It's just uh, with the queen fern, are you getting more of those in next year? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yes. Then I'll pick one up. Thank you so much. Thanks, Marvin. Okay. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Where am I at for time? We're going to go to John. Good morning, John. Hi, uh, <clears throat> sorry to hear about your cat there. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I, lots of people have enjoyed his, uh, his presence around the garden center for sure. Yeah, I had seen him a few times there. Awesome. Um, quick question about blueberries. Uh, so the blueberry plants, they put, they were, oh, they've been in three years. Yeah. And this year they didn't do very good at all. Like, I think that, uh, really cold snap we had, yep. uh, last winter killed a lot of it. 
So I didn't get any produ- production from them this year. And so I'm wondering, should I trim them back? Like, yeah, I, I would definitely trim them back. And this fall, like when they start going a little bit more dormant, you can feed them with 15, 30, 15. Okay. And that way now, it gets, the- get some phosphate into the soil around them. Okay. And um, even I our lawn it- fertilizer, even if you mix that into the soil, it's great for fruit production. Like it is, it's a slow release granular. Okay. So you just sprinkle that on top with the greened up fertilizer. That'll help a lot as well. Well, and I am sold with your fertilizers. The first year I tried it, and it does work really well, and does make it more drought tolerant. Absolutely, because sure. it gets in. Like on, I, I turned off my irrigation. I was watering just once a week, and even just a little bit of rain. I've just, I've watered probably a third of what I normally would do, and my grass is green like it's so it, it, it's a it's a good fertilizer for our for our area with the heavy clay it gets the roots down there nice and deep so i appreciate the testimonial john thank you oh yeah absolutely um so the other thing i was gonna ask about somebody mentioned that uh mixing pine needles in with the soil and the blueberries will help acidify it to make no a, that's just no. a myth yeah you can use an acidic for like 30 10 10 is another good one to help with that it's it's just blueberries it's a tough go to begin with here in Calgary because they're not like they're not the hardiest fruit, yeah. correct? So it, there's other berries you could like the Haskett berry, Saskatoons, um, some of the sour cherries, things like that. You're going to get a lot more fruit production if you're trying to grow blueberries. It's going to be a, a, a short go, right? You're not going to. Okay. It's it's not you're gonna not gonna be like you don't see a lot of blueberry farms. If you could grow blueberries around here, you'd see blueberry farms because people would, would love to grow them. So what you do see is Saskatoon farms. You've seen sour cherry farms. People are growing Haskett berries, um, things that a phenomenal fruit trees. Like if you go through our tree lot, like the 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 Paul pear. Um, we have real pears, real apples, Macintosh apples. Like there's so many nice fruit you can grow here. But things like blueberries, blueberries <laughs> yeah, like I said, otherwise, if you could really grow blueberries, people would grow blueberries here and have them. So on the you pick it, but you cannot do it. And, oh. and that's more of a thing when we travel to Abbotsford, um, okay. blueberries everywhere in Abbotsford. <laughs> <laughs> All so. right. Well, <laughs> thanks for your time. All right. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. Bye. And if you're trying to grow things like that, what it is, it's it's just trying to, um, if you get a little success in a small, if you're growing three to four plants in a small area, you get a few blueberries. It's same with grapes. You're not seeing a lot of vineyards here and things like that. Can you grow them here? Absolutely. And you can get a small harvest, but you're not going to be an abundance of, of production of fruit like you would, like I said, with strawberries and and the Saskatoons. There's lots of great fruit we can grow here. So anyways, we are out of time where I need to take a break again. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's a jolly holiday with Mary. No wonder that it's Mary that we love. <laughs> Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And we're going to go all the way down to High River and see what's going on with Mary. <laughs> how are you, Mary? Good, how I'm you doing? I'm a little under the weather. Would you like a summer cold? No, I'm good. I know <laughs> my daughter, Jaden, was at school for a couple of days last week getting orientated. She volunteers and, and to bring in the grade 10s and stuff because she's in grade 12 and... 
first couple of days she's in, and then she's uh, already sick. So yeah, I know it's been going around. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just it hits some people and some it doesn't. But that's a cold. It lasts for a week and then it'll go away. <laughs> anyway, dear old Rocky. What a neat cat he was. Yeah, absolutely. How Loved much do you think he weighed? About 18, 20 pounds? Yeah, when he was big and healthy, yeah. Near oh, the end, he, he shrunk huge. down. Yeah, no, he was a good-sized cat and yeah. uh, very <laughs> nimble. And uh, He was a neat cat. I liked him. <laughs> absolutely. No, there's lots of people that loved Rocky. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, new planter tree. I- I've just been... Uh, you know, been watering it a lot, of course. Yep. You know, and then, of course, we had a great, great rain last night again. But but anyway, uh, uh, just I'm just going to put rage on yep, it. Yeah, perfect. This, this That's year. perfect. Because uh, it's clay and clay. Absolutely. And then I put bark mulch all around That's it. That's perfect, too. Mary. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a lovely tree. I like Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway... God bless little old Rocky. Yep, thanks, Mary. rocking up heaven. Absolutely. Thanks, Mary. Take care. Yeah, you take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Bye Bye-bye. And I got another text. This is funny. Um, This morning was hilarious. I tuned in to hear you talk about Rocky. I assumed it was one of your people who works in the garden center. I was listening until you got to the part where he ate the head off of something. Then I realized you you must not be talking about a man. No, that was Rocky. He always loved to show off of what he would uh, look after in the garden center. He'd like to bring in the... And he would take the head off of gophers. He liked to do that and, uh, and bring in the rest of it. So he'd show you that he was... He was doing his job out there. So uh, definitely, definitely Rocky was one of a kind. And uh, as uh, my partner Pat goes, he was the cat of all cats is what Pat, Pat called him. And I couldn't agree more. He, he and I had a, sometimes a love-hate when we first got the store. He would like to um, take a poop right in the middle of my office. And uh, I think because I was moving into his territory, he wanted to make sure that I knew it was still his. So he, he liked to do that to me. So, But we got over that, and that hasn't happened all that often anymore. So, And I got a text here. Merle, I've never had much luck with roses, but this year I bought a variety called Clean and Easy Grand A Amour. It was a spectacular with perfect blooms. My question is how far back should it be pruned, and should it be done in the fall or spring? Again, I, I like to do leave all my rose pruning till spring. That way you can sort of see where it dies back to. But it's, And re- make sure you put a good mulch cover. I mentioned doing the hemp. Uh, mix the soil in with some hemp and, and, and mound that around your, around your roses and that. That'll really help. And then water them in really good once they're totally dormant. And uh, that will definitely help. And then next spring, you can even it out. You'll sort of see where you'll get some dye back on the branching, black, brown. At that time, cut it back and uh, and do that. And then you'll see um, good good revitalization at that time. But Because you don't want to cut back because then the winter dieback will go further into the growth. You want to leave as much growth up top so that'll endure that winter kill back, die back, and, and go from there. So, and... Also, what do I got here? I got uh, some people asking about the number. There's no phone number for the harvest for the for the. Um, it's just a website where you sign up and you uh, and you do that with your uh, on the on the website to sign up your tree. Uh, you register your tree um, for 
the harvest and then they'll arrange for people to come come by and uh, and look at picking it up for you and, and harvesting the tree uh, apples and and fruit off your trees right now i'm going to you go to myrna good morning myrna good morning how can i help you uh so sorry about rocky yeah no thank you so much we appreciate yeah. it yeah, I lost my little cat uh, beginning of August, so I know how sad it is. It is. is. You know, you, you get used to looking around for them, and then yeah. even, like, at Christmas, I always have to go in over the holiday. We'd go in, visit them, and, and uh, make sure he was good and all that stuff. So yeah. you, certain things, yeah, you definitely remember about about him, and you look for him every morning when you walk in. And, uh, yeah, sure they're not there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. How can I how can I help you today? Okay, my son uh, bought a house in Edmonton, okay. um, and he wants to create a screen along his back fence. Okay. So of course he was going to do a Swedish columnar aspen. Yeah. And I said, don't do that because they sucker. Actually, now, the aspens don't sucker as much as the tower poplar. So there's two varieties, and a lot of times the box stores or other people sell the tower poplar as an aspen. Okay. And it's not a, a true aspen. So maybe that's what we It have. is. And you'll see that the leaves are more serrated and that the Swedish columns are more of a smooth edged leaf. And then you'll get more fall color off the Swedish column or aspen, and you don't get the same suckering like you did. The tower poplars, I couldn't agree more. They sucker like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's a tower poplar. I again uh. I don't even sell them, and I can get them cheaper and things like that. But I just I don't like to bring them in for for people because it it, it is it becomes a challenge, especially in most city lots. You end up with suckers everywhere. Right. So I couldn't agree more. But the Swedish column, when they're planted properly and watered, um, you don't get the same suckering. Okay, because then years ago we must have picked up the tower poplar because yep. they sucker in our yard. They're sucking yep. in our neighbors. And you, and you get um, you don't get as nice a color. You'll get more of a yellowy on them. On the columnar aspens, you'll get actually a nice red, orange, and things like that. So okay, so the Swedish columnar aspen, the yeah, are fine, are and he can also do cedars up there in Edmonton better than we can do here in Calgary. So oh, okay, what but, kind of a Cedar. The Brandon cedars up there would grow quite well. Brandon. Yep. So there's a couple garden centers like the Greenland Garden Center up there. They have great product okay. and uh, super nice folks up there. Um, so that's sort of Salisbury is another good one. There's there's quite a few nice garden centers up there in Edmonton. So. Okay. Great. I will let him know that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so okay. much. Bye bye. You're welcome. Bye bye. All right. I need to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening and uh, lots of nice texts and tributes to Rocky. So thank you so much. And lots of people asking us when we're going to get a new kitty and uh, and Viva Las Vegas, Riva Las Vegas, as they've offered to um, provide us maybe with one. We're we're really going to look at that because it, it does take a special cat to be in a business that can navigate the outside 
deal with weasels and snakes and gophers and uh, and uh, and all the cars in the parking lot. So it's something that we're definitely going to uh, to look at and uh, and decide how to uh, to go about that because uh, they are nice to have around the store and look after the mice and some like that. I'm not sure if we start with a little bit more mature, but we're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes for a little bit and uh, and go from there. And I got a text. Zucchini didn't fruit, just flowers. Strawberries stopped three weeks ago. No sun. Tomatoes won't plump up. Hale ripped it all up a month ago. Tell me again why I love gardening. Exactly, Don. Eh? It's a tough one, especially in Calgary. Certain parts of the city get uh, um, done that, and unfortunately, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to do. And here we go. Good morning. I had to cut a large tree down as I was pushing into our garage wall. Anyways, we have the trunk. And I want to kill it. What can I do? I heard of drill holes and fill with fertilizer that would kill the roots. Actually, we have a stump decomposer product. You drill holes and you pour this stuff into it. And it works really, really well. And uh, so that's what I'd recommend. Because the type of fertilizer, it can't just dump any fertilizer in there. But we have a thing. It's called stump remover. It's in a, a little jar. And uh, I would recommend that. That would work very, very well for you. And good morning, Merle. I'm in Sundry and I'd like to plant some cedars as ornamentals. Is there a recommended variety? I would really go against probably trying to do cedars. I would probably stick with more of the columnar spruce. Cedars in Sundry, I'm not sure, but the deer love them. And I think depending on where you're at in Sundry, I think all you're going to do is create a bit of a headache for yourself. And and if they survive, because I know the further north you get, like up into Edmonton, they can grow them because they don't get the Chinooks. Sundry, you still might be on the cusp, but I also think you're going to create um, an issue with the deer because deer love cedars, love, love, love them. So, Terry, I would maybe look at some other alternatives um, to do that. And there's some really nice pines um, like the mountain pine is a smaller one you can do, the limber pine. So we have lots of great um, other varieties of, of evergreens that I would recommend for you. And where are we at here? I'm going to go to the phone lines, and we're going to go to Ashley. Good morning, Ashley. Good morning. How can I help you? Um, this isn't a gardening question. It's more of a landscaping question okay. I'm hoping you can help me with. Absolutely. Yesterday we started to install a flagstone patio. We okay. dug it down, we got the road crush in, we tampered it all down, and then we had a huge rainstorm last night. Yep. Do we have to let that road crush dry out before no. we put the sand down in the flagstone? No. Um, what you need to, but when you guys dug down, did you remove all the black soil? Uh, it was like clay. Yeah, so you got down to the clay part? Okay, yeah. perfect. Okay. That's the most important thing because it's whenever we're doing our patios, like in our landscape crew, it's sort of what you don't see is more important than the top part because typically that's the easier part. Mm -hmm. Um, So all the preparation, so making sure you compact it. Moisture in there is good. So I would run, let it dry a little bit, but then I'd run the packer over it again when it's moist. That's even better. That'll help compact it even more. Okay. Um, And then you can put your thin layer of sand. A lot of times we use rundle dust instead. Um, Because it doesn't move as much, like the 10 mil rundle. And then we fill the gaps with that because then it it fills in the holes in between your flagstone. We were going to do the polymeric sand. That works okay. But the only only problem is if it does move a little bit, it's sort of like grout. It kind of breaks up a bit unless Uh you get it absolutely perfect, like with your flagstone. Because flagstone's tough because it always wobbles a little bit. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. So okay, so what what was that product you recommended? Just ten mil rundle, and like we said, we have it in our bulk bins. It's sort of like a really fine dust rundle dust, but it's it's black or gray, and you put that in between, and it works like a grout, and it packs itself down quite tightly. Um, okay, that I maybe would recommend a little bit more about that, um, just because. I, I just know with flagstone, the polymeric, anytime it moves, it's, it works like grout, unless you get your things perfect. And what I would recommend is lay out your, like lay out all the bigger pieces and sort of go, don't use all your good pieces first. Because I see this right. a lot when people are doing their own flagstone patios. They use all the really good pieces first. And mm-hmm. then when they get to the end, it, you end up with a little, it looks like more of a jigsaw puzzle at the end because you have right. all your little pieces. So really spread out your big pieces nice and even all around and then fill it in from there. Because, uh, okay. all right. All right. Awesome. And then how long should I let it dry for? Like is like half a day? Uh, yeah, that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, awesome. Thank you Thanks. so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Sorry about that, Brian. We got to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and we're going to go to the phone lines. I have Christina, and she's from the Canadian Wildlife Foundation. Christina, good morning, Christina. Good morning. How are you today? Good. How are you? Good, good. So uh, you guys are doing some some projects, and is it Canadian Wildlife Federation Foundation? Yeah, it's the Canadian Wildlife Federation. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So what? Why don't you give us a little lowdown on what you do with them, and and what kind of projects you got have that going on right now that have to do with plants and things like that. Um, so I'm part of the Canadian Conservation Corps. Um, it's a youth program. Um, that is like a government-funded program. But as the third stage of the program, we do a community engagement project, and my project has to do with sustainable gardening and pollinators. Okay. Um, So currently, uh, the Canadian Wildlife Federation is asking the public to sign um, the petition to help ban neonicotinoids. Um, And they're asking that plus a recovery strategy to help um, to help recover the pollinators. And, and maybe you lost. can maybe you can just give us a little lowdown on what 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 that product is. And I know we with our growers we do not bring in, in any plants that are using that product. Yes, yeah, so it's a chemical pesticide, um, and they're not exactly sure how it affects the pollinators, but it's become pretty evident in the past few years that it does affect them, and it kind of causes just like their system to shut down is causing um, not only like native pollinators, but honeybees as well. And it just seems to be really affecting um, lots of insects that are required for pollination. Absolutely. And I find if you're, if you're dealing with um, local independent garden centers, you're going to stay away from that for the most part Um, where you get, when they're using some of those other products is where they're really trying to chase the price down because it's a less expensive way of dealing with bugs and so it, it just, uh, like I said, if you, I think, and I know most of the people here in the local independent garden centers, we, we all try to stay away from that um, because it, it definitely is something we don't want to contribute to. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and so with the pollinators, what other, uh, and, I, and I think that's a great one. So what other projects do you guys have on the go? 
Um, just uh, making people aware of like more sustainable gardening. And um, I have a company called Green Gardens. And through that, um, we promote uh, sustainable gardening. And so that involves planting for the right ecosystem and then also planting pollinator-friendly plants, which are, in fact, the ones that grow here. And they're the ones that are, like, for the ecosystem. Okay, so what what would be your top five... uh plants that you would if someone was to call you guys and if you that you would recommend that they plant um definitely bee balm yep uh wild geranium also does really well and like a wild aster i always recommend because that goes into the fall so it gives um a good food source before the winter there okay Um, and then probably any other type of wildflower there's lots. You can just buy like a wildflower seed mix even, mm-hmm. and that's the easiest to sprinkle it down. Um, and, and, but you do got to be careful on some of those, um, depending on the same thing. If you're just getting the, the cheap yeah. mix, it ends up with a lot of invasive species, which then you're also counteracting some of those things. So you got to be careful on what species and things like that that you're going to be putting into the garden that you don't want to create those invasive species that take over a lot of our natural areas as well. And that's sometimes where they come in those wildflower mixes. So I I would definitely just be careful on, on some of those mixes when you're using them, correct? Yeah. I would look for something more like of a prairie wildflower mix. If you can find something like that, um, that would probably be the best bet. Okay. And as far as like native plants and things like that, what, what other ones would you recommend? Oh, sorry. That's okay. Um, I'd recommend probably those ones. Yarrow is also really good. That yep. one grows naturally here. Yep. No, um, you see a lot of that down by the river and things like that. What about any of the echinaceas? I know those, the bees seem to love those, um, like the, the cone flowers, things like that. Yeah, anything along those lines. Um, there's also like a native uh, wildflower bachelor button type of one yeah that one does really well here too i i think what you guys are doing it's super important because we do because i get quite a few calls too where people and you don't see as many bees as you used to but even some of the trees that i've seen like for later in the season like the linden i was i was down at a client's house and the neighbor had a linden tree and man it was just i, I bet there was probably 500 bees on it like it was just amazing mm-hmm. so um, what about, are you guys working with any bee companies where they're, um, doing hives and things like that? Um, we aren't. The Canadian wildlife mostly focused on the native pollinators, yep. um, as opposed to like the honeybees. Uh, honeybees are pretty well managed because they're kind of like a livestock animal. Yeah. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Whereas, yeah. Like the native, the bumblebees, um, and the solitary bees are more of what we're focused on. Okay. When you say the bumblebees, is that those, the bigger ones yeah Yeah. and you definitely don't see as many of those as you used to um like say 10 years ago yeah um and so another thing that like lots of people do and it works really well for the prairie landscape but we lay mulch down yep and we're finding out that that actually hinders the bees because they need like mud they need dirt um to pack in their uh their larvae so if you do have mulch in your garden, maybe just clear off like a little corner of it so that there is an exposed piece of soil and kind of keep it wet so that the bees can come there and they can collect um, dirt to pack in 
their nest. Actually, that's a great tip. Like if you're going to have a bird feed area, maybe uh, underneath there, you clear the soil away for for bees and things like mm-hmm. that as well. It's cool to have that as your wildlife corner in your yard, in your garden to help with this sustainable gardening for sure. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Awesome. Well, any other what, what, any other tips or things that you'd like to pass on to to uh, our listeners? Um, if you do want more information on the, the petition, you can go to CanadianWildlifeFederation.ca. Okay. Um, and if you want more information on sustainable gardening, you can go to GreenGardensLTD.ca. Awesome. And are you are you in contact with most of the growers here, like in can in Canada, to help with this? Um, yeah, through the Canadian Wildlife Federation. Okay, perfect. Be, and you can also go onto the Canadian Wildlife Federation and buy um, pollinator friendly garden packs. Yep. Um, they usually have them available in the spring. So because yeah, I, I know most of. A lot of the times, if people are bringing up um, product out of the states, is more where you're seeing that uh, the neo what is, what is it again? The neo neonicotinoids. Yeah, neonicotinoids. I'm not great with the multisyllable. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, I like to make fun of myself because there's lots there. So, anyways, so, but that's um, I find that is more in the import of uh, a product out of the states, and yeah. sometimes when you're getting the um, the product when it gets when they really starting to chase the price, um, there's a price to that as well. It's um, there's things that cause harm when everyone wants it at um, Amazon pricing or or box store Costco pricing. There's there's definitely things that affect that, and uh, so just make sure when you're shopping, you look for those kind of things, and typically at your uh, independent garden centers, you will find that. So thank you so much, Christina, and uh, and as we said before, we'll, we'll be chatting with you some more. Sounds good. Thanks, Have Christina. Bye-bye. Bye. It's great to see um, younger people and uh, groups looking out for that because we definitely see a lot of that um, less bees and things like that right now. And where are we at for time? we got some time. We're going to go to Vern. Good morning, Vern. Good morning. How can I help you? First of all, I love your show. Thank you. Um, I've got uh, two quick questions. By all means. Uh, the first one is I put uh, I cleared an area in the yard for flowers mm-hmm. and shrubs, and I put down that um, the black uh, ground cover. Okay, like the black mulch or the or no, the no, they just uh, it's a roll. Oh, okay, the landscape fabric. Landscape fabric. Okay, and I didn't get to it right away. Uh, I put it down, and, and then I was not well, so I wasn't able to get back to it for okay. a while. And it was like a hot house for weeds. Yep. Okay, what did I do wrong? <laughs> uh, um, that's basically because what it does is because when you if you don't hold it down, oh, that's okay. what it does. So really, if you if you pin it down and and put your um, mulch now or whatever, what are you going to put on top of that rock? Well, I've got the mulch now. Do I put it on top of the landscape cover? Yeah. Good. Um, okay. Kate, are you using the nuggets or regular shredded mulch? Well, they look like like chips, like uh, mulch chips. Like big, big, big chunks. chunks. Okay, yeah, because yeah, that's when I would use the fabric. Um, so yeah, just put that on, like sort of in that three to four inches thick. Yeah, and okay. uh, and you should be going. That'll choke out the weeds underneath there. Um, I have to take the weeds out now first. Though. Well, not really. You should oh. be fine. Just just make sure you pull it nice and tight, and yeah. the weight of it will suffocate those underneath there. Just make sure you don't have too many cracks. Overlap no, I your. Over, I overlap. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. 
But if you're doing regular shredded mulch, and I don't recommend using fabric because I like putting it right on top of the soil. It weaves itself together and it creates its own weed barrier. And also because the wind, if you get the shredded stuff, the wind tends to just blow it right off it. Oh. So especially in open areas. So I, I just recommend putting it right on top of the soil. But with if you're using the chunks like you, the bark nuggets, yeah. then definitely the the fabric is a, is a must. Okay. And the second question, I heard you talking about yarrow. Yeah. Well, I've got yarrow all over my grass. It's I more know. yarrow than anything. It, it's it, it again. I think it's when you get into sustainable gardening. Um, it, we got to be careful. There's lots of invasive plant species that we got to be careful of as well. It, it, it's it's one of these things you're damned if you do, damned if you don't type thing, right? Like yeah. it's um, how do I get rid of it? No, no it's again that's uh, a. And they're even like the Wildlife Federation recommends that you leave your dandelions and things. So, I, I it, again, it's I think it's finding everything in moderation, and uh, it, it's a tough one, right? You can use Killex in your grass to get rid of yarrow, and it will get rid of it that way. But it's um it's a tough one, right? You're trying to find the balance of of providing those pollinators. Yeah. And so I think if we plant more. Like coneflowers, galardias, sunflowers, things that the that the bees and that can utilize, it will help with it, and we can not use as much um, of these invasive plant species because a lot of them that we we just got to be really careful. One group will say it's great, and then the next group will say, "No, you can't plant that because it's invasive." So. So it's, I've got more yarrow than and, yeah, and also and I'm and I'm not sure if yarrow is on the invasive plant species list or not. Yeah. Um so if anybody knows um cuz I know I see it down by the river quite a bit too. I see lots of yellow. I live in Cranston down by the river and it's I do see quite a bit of yarrow all over the place. So Yeah, and what about the clover? Will I use the Killex as well? Yes, that works great for that. It's a broadleaf oh, herbicide. Okay, uh, I'll try that and thank you so much. I'll uh now that I'm feeling better, I can go out and finish awesome. that project. Awesome. Good luck, Vern. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And I need to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. Lots of great tribute songs to uh, to Rocky the cat of all cats and I got a few texts oh yeah liner thanks Brian <laughs> let's talk gardening is brought to you by spruce it up Calgary's largest full service garden center with everything you need inside and out spruce it up green it up prune it up we got you covered let's go to the phone lines and while I'm looking at this because these guys actually have been waiting for quite a while and Garrett this will answer one of the texts as well Good morning, Garrett. How can I help you? Yeah, I'm I'm wanting to transplant some peonies, so okay. I'm, I'm bringing them in from BC. Okay. BC. Are they hardy? Want... Are they the hardy varieties that will grow here? I think they are. Okay. Because because I have an uncle who transplants some down in Pincher Creek. Okay. And they're and they're thriving. Okay. Perfect. The main thing is when you're doing them, they should be dormant before you do it. And when you do it, try and do it at the exact same height that they're at now, like at the soil level. So try and get a nice circle around, get them into a, like an ice cream bucket or some sort of bucket. 
um, and just keep them at that same height as when you transplant them. If you bury them too deep again or, or a different height, they send us, they tend to suffer. They don't, they're not ones that love to be transplanted. So, <laughs> and of course you said bring some of the, na- the native soil with you. Yeah. You I trans- leave the, I leave the soil in, like I try and get as a good clump of soil into a bucket or something if you can, like, or into a, a pot or whatever you're going to transplant them in. And then when I when then I transfer them back in the city, the city there, yep. um, do I have to um, like mute soil or whatever else? Make um, sure that they environment. Yeah, I would in? just mix in like a, a little bit of. Uh, um, you can use the hemp sense product to mix in. Just make the soil nice. Some sort of soil amendment. The sea soil would work good. But more importantly, with the peony, is just getting it at the same planting at the same height so that the top piece of, le- of soil level try and plant transplant it at the same height that you have now okay great thank you very much Merle all right and you can use the mycorrhiza on there that definitely helps and then next spring like using the 15 30 15 or or 10 52 10 um, to help get it going okay all right great. very much sir. you're very welcome bye-bye all right, and let's go to Miss Johnson. Good morning, Miss Johnson. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Nope. I think she's gone. Let's go to Nancy. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning. Hi there. How can I help you? I just wondered, uh, you were talking about native plants. Yes. And a lot of uh, yarrow down by the river. And I thought I heard you mention it was yellow. Yeah. But if it's yellow, are you sure it's not tansy? Which is, there's just tons of it down there, and it's an escaped old-fashioned garden plant. Yeah, and those are some of those invasive plant species. I imagine there's both, but I know there is yarrow down there as well. Well, Um, white, the native uh, yarrow is usually white. Around here, I have seen it pink, but not often. Yeah, but the yellow, I think, is the same thing as when it escapes and then it it becomes uh the seeds get spread by birds or whatever else and uh, they oh. become fairly invasive so and there's tons of tansy down there and people really think it's pretty but and it is but it's invasive yeah no and and that is because back in the day a lot of times plants were brought that were very quick and easy to transplant that would grow really fast as well right yes um right. so and you thought, hey, this is great. It's easy. But then we found that some of them are really quite invasive. So, Okay. All thank right. You. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to do one text. Um, and where are we at here? Hi, it's Jessica in Oktoks. Love listening to your broadcast each Sunday. Also love the bird show. We can't seem to grow basil. Each year we get it, no matter inside and out, it turns brown and dies. We tried not watering. Um, basil is one of the tougher ones and typically it doesn't like to be transplanted a whole lot. So if you can get a, a good size pot and just when you transplant it, don't, um, don't mess with the roots a lot and same thing, plant it at the same level as this, as the pot it's in at the time and then just put it into fresh soil and, and try that evenly watered. It does like a fair bit of sun. Um, but basil, I, I agree, is it's it is one of those tougher ones to to grow and continue to grow. Um, it does like a well drained soil, so it, I'd do it into a clay pot or or a fiber basket or those cocoa moss baskets or something like that window box. 
Um, I was out at my brother's in Kelowna, and they had uh, the window box, and it was one of those Coco Moss liner window boxes, and that worked really, really well with the basil. It was full of basil. But I agree. It, it is one of those ones that is a little bit tougher. And I'm going to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coons. And I got here a couple texts. Um, Merle, I have a Japanese fern in my east garden that has been struggling for a few years, but is now growing. What can I do to get it through the winter? Um, yes, I see it's coming up nicely finally for you. Um, what I would do is cultivate that soil up. It looks like it's a little bit heavy as well. And so I would add that hemp sense around that. Dig up a little bit of soil around it and just mix in the hemp sense into the top couple inches of that soil. And that will definitely help. And because uh, it just looks like you have straight black dirt, which is really quite heavy. Ferns like it um, a little more light and fertile. So you need some a bit more organic matter into your soil there. And uh, you'll definitely see a big difference helping out with that. And uh, so let me know how that goes. Mix that in. Or you could use a cocoa moss is another good product to add. Mix in there. Sea soil would be another one. Um, but it just, you just need a little bit more organic matter in there to help with that. And where are we at? I'm going to go to Chris in the tree lot. was going to see what's hot in the tree lot today. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Merle. How's it going down there? A little foggy? We just try to keep thinking that the traffic's actually the waves crashing on the beach. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> and absolutely. Then we, then we feel kind of nice. No, it's okay. It's not raining. It's just a little misty, but it's quite peaceful. So yeah, great yeah. time to be in the tree lot. So, yes. Yeah. So what do you what's what do you think is hot right now in the tree lot? Well, as sad as it is that summer is coming to an end, it's not the end of the performance of our trees because we have a whole fall season of trees that are going to give on a, a brilliant show of uh, color for us. Absolutely. No, I guy walking through there yesterday, the Ohio Buckeyes, some yeah. maples. Yeah. What, what, what other ones are you seeing out there that's looking really nice? Yeah, so the Ohio Buckeye, brilliant orange, probably one of uh, the vibrant colors next to the uh, maples. But the mountain ashes also have a really beautiful orange-red color that they get. And we have some Northwood maples here that right now are just a brilliant uh, scarlet red. They just stand out like crazy. The Koreans are starting to change. One of the big ones is uh, people probably don't think of is the larch that we have. So yeah. he's not, not quite turning yet, but if you've ever had a chance to go through Larch Valley uh, in uh, Banff up there, the yellow is spectacular. And it's the only uh, evergreen tree that we have that actually drops needles, but the yellow that it shows in the fall is incredible. Yeah, I know. For yeah. one, that's a it's our deciduous sort of evergreen looking tree (laughs) so it's not really an evergreen i guess so but um yeah i definitely give i like using the larch in the background a bit i typically don't plant them right in the front because they cut they do look like a dead spruce tree throughout the winter time but in the spring yeah you get that beautiful lime green soft foliage so yeah so beautiful but Uh, you're right in the background with something else in front that will you know give you a show in the meantime the maryless pin cherry again one of our smaller trees uh 14 by 8 also has a really nice yellow red starting to come on here and i know what what's you have a favorite i know that you you try to sell eight million of them (laughs) 
<laughs> They're all gone again, by the way. Yeah, no, and then we have lots of shrubs, so the burning bush, of course, turns a brilliant red, and the Turkestan burning bush also turns a, a brilliant red. The barberry, the emerald carousel, yeah. turns a really nice red and orange uh, in the fall. Uh, one of the big ones is... Um, that we don't think of is probably the gladiator, which yeah. is really a four-season tree for us because you get the beautiful pink flowers in the spring, and then you get the dark uh, purple leaves throughout the summer, which is a nice contrast with all the green. But it actually turns a really pretty orange, orangey red in the fall, and they're starting to turn right uh, now too. And that is one of my favorite trees. The reason that the gladiator is so good is that it's disease-resistant. It doesn't get the fire blights and things yeah. like that. So yeah. it, it's a great... Um, alternative, and it's a narrower tree, so it's great for Calgary with all the smaller lots and yeah. infills. So if you're looking for a tree in, in your yard, like the Gladiator is uh, yeah. is a number one contender yeah. for sure. I like to sell those when people aren't interested in the columnar aspens. Yeah. I like the, uh, the Gladiator is my next go-to because Absolutely. it's tall and narrow, except you get actual flowers and color, so it's a, a really nice uh, privacy screen as well. Well, yeah, and the, and the canopy is typically above the fence, and it starts yeah. lower, so it, it's a great privacy exactly. tree. Absolutely. And, that, and that's what people have to understand, too, is almost all your trees, you can bring up the canopy to the height that you want. So just because it's a big tree yep. doesn't mean it can't go against a fence. You just keep your canopy up a little higher, and you can pretty much plant whatever you want. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Chris, thanks again. Okay. And uh, if you're looking for any advice, you can catch tr- Chris down in the tree lot. She's here walking around them, and she had. Do you have your? Uh, what are those shoes you wear? The rubber ones. <laughs> My Crocs. Do you have your Crocs on today? <laughs> I don't actually. Wow. I predicted it was going to be a little cool. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I got course. my Birkenstocks on. I guess I'm a little uh, more hardy. Yeah. All right, you are. All right, bye, all right. Chris. Yeah, bye. <laughs> <Bye-bye. laughs> yeah, Chris is the Crocs, and I'm the the Birkenstock gardener. So there you go. Let's go to the phone. I got a quick couple minutes here speaking of fire blight unfortunately hi marianne hi there bro um quick question about fire blight um i have what appears to be fire blight on a norland apple and i was going to remove it but i'm wondering am i best to wait until the tree is dormant say january february no it's it's better now because they can see what's doing like if who's ever pruning it and get it cleaned out um now because if the spores are in there and when it the spores come on there, and when it really activates it, you probably notice it right when the first rain came or something hit the leaves, and it almost—it's almost like it gets activated, like it's—it's oh. it's, it's nasty. And you should treat it like with a with a copper spray. And if it gets too much in there, unfortunately, you'll lose your tree. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, copper spray, you sell copper spray? Yes, we do. Oh, and it's just called copper spray? Yeah, Bordeaux, copper spray. The the the, people, the, the staff and the team in the, in the garden center will know what you're talking about. Should a person um, prune about a foot below into the healthy tissue, about that far um, down? It, yeah, well, you should actually, again, I don't like leaving any stumps. So without seeing right. it, it's, it's yeah. really hard to say... Um, whenever I'm dealing with that, I always recommend calling the certified arborist, the ISA guy. Um, they'll come out and give you the right advice and clean it up. If you want to give Mark a call, he goes, comes out, he does free estimates, and uh, and he'll be able to look at that for you and give you some good advice on what to do. Um, what about, do you ever recommend putting pruning 
spray on when you no. remove? Why? No. Um, because it works just like if you have a wound. Uh-huh. It works like, you know, like if you cover up a wound on your arm and you just keep it covered up, it can just rot underneath there. It doesn't let the tree um, heal properly. The only time I use, like, we have a product called Lac Balsam. It's a bark yep. replacement. So if something gets torn or something like that, that's the only one I'd really use. Um, it, it just, it's, it, it's a breathable bark replacement oh, okay. rather than the paint. It, it just, it, like I said, if you put a Band-Aid on a sore and you just see what, it never heals properly underneath there, it just rots. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I definitely don't recommend that. Okay. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. I need to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. And David Crockett rides around and says it's cool for cats, it's cool for cats. <laughs> nice. Thanks again to Brian for all the cat songs today. Our tribute to Rocky the cat, the cat of all cats. And... I have another special moment happening this weekend. It's my son's Derek. It's his 16th birthday. So happy birthday, Derek. Um, Hope you have fun. He's going to hang out in the campground tonight with his buddies. And uh, hopefully the rain will stop tonight so you can have a a fun fire and do whatever else you guys do. And uh, so happy birthday, Derek. Enjoy the day. And uh, we'll catch you in a little bit after the show. And I got a text here. It says, good morning, Merle. Just turned in, tuned in now. And he's getting all these tubular fungus growing up through his bark mulch. And he has the black mulch. And those are just fungus spores. Um, there's not really a lot you can do. You could go in and cultivate your, your mulch up a bit, turn it over. It's just this excessive rain and that, and that activates the spores that are in there. And uh, so it's just a matter of time. They'll dry up when this weather hopefully dries up soon. So I would just, uh, like I said, if you want to just turn it over a bit, uh, mix up the top, that'll that'll stir those up and help dry them out. But really it's just a matter of waiting and uh, or you can just pick them, um, go through and pick them all. Spores are really tough. Um, same with it when you get them in your grass. I noticed I had a few mushrooms in the grass today. Um, and don't run them over with your lawnmowers. Just go pick them up because the you chop them up, you spread them more. So um, best thing is probably just go through and try and pick them or just be patient and leave them and let them dry out. And right now I'm going to go back to Miss Johnson. Hopefully she's here now. Good morning, Miss Johnson. Good morning. Hi, how can I help you? I have four new tea roses. They were quality bought in the spring. Yep. I've been doing this for like 25, 30 years. Oh, nice. In the past, I always cut them down, you know, small, like they said, to the 11 and 12 inches, yep. and then pile them with uh, peat moss. Yep. And in recent years, I had put the styrofoam cones yep. over. Yep. Well, then you ended up with not very many branches the next spring because you had to fit it under the styrofoam. Yep. So I like your idea now of doing the hemp, but can I still uh, just leave them, pile up the hemp, Swirl them around with burlap because I had always used burlap around yep. peat moss. Yep. And then in the spring, do you just pull away the hemp and, and mix save it? it yeah, just, it? no. I would no. You mix it into the soil because it's a really good soil amendment. Um, okay. You mix it right into the soil because then it holds moisture. It's really, it's a really, really good soil amendment. 
Well, what I had done in years past with the peat moss, I kept piling it around the roses for yep. like ever. And so what happened, I dug it in in the spring, and then eventually the bed got so high it was raised above the, the uh, cement patio blocks. So that doesn't happen with the hemp then. If you keep digging it in year after year, does your bed actually raise up and get higher? It does get up a little higher, but what you can do is along the blocks is just... Um um, make a, a a little bit of an edge, you know, and then just sort of create a mound up to the edge. Yes. Well, um, that's what I figured I'd do. I yeah. keep all the dirt now away from the patio block. Yep, yep. Just make a nice edge along there so you sort of do a trough where when it gets a couple inches away from this concrete, you just start mounding up from that point. Okay. All right. And uh, the burlap is still okay? Um. Yeah, Um. Not some people are using... Yeah, it, that's fine with them. Just sometimes with the burlap, it, it, if you get too much in it, it just it it um it doesn't cover it as much. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, I, I with tea roses, it's different than the other shrub roses I talk about. So I wouldn't hesitate cutting them down if you still want to do the styrofoam. I think you are better off with those rose towers on your tea roses. Okay. Um, because. I might invest in the larger ones. I had gone yes. for the smaller medium, but like I said, they're angled so much that you don't, you, unless you almost cut the yeah. branch down to nothing, you can't fit very yeah. many under So get the, the larger ones and then just, just prune it back a bit to fit underneath there and then pile up the mulch all around as much as possible. With the hemp? Yep. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. That sounds like a good plan. Okay. Thank, oh, what about, oh, if I do the, the styrofoam, I don't have to worry, but if I did it leave them like I've seen some people yep. do? I also get huge, high snow banks, so that would break that, the that, wouldn't it? Yep, that helps as well. So that's why you should have the styrofoam to yep. protect. Absolutely, and this well, this keeps it frozen underneath there. That's the biggest thing, right? The d- dirt, yeah. Yep. I know you keep the roots frozen. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for thank your you. advice. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, and. I just asked if I could repeat some of the nice colorful trees that we mentioned um, for Terry and Sundry. There's some really, really nice. Ohio Buckeye would grow great out there in Sundry, the Mountain Ash. Um, If you're looking for some of the shrubs, we have the Turkestan Burning Bush is a really nice one. We have the, the the Northwood Maple is another really nice tree that would give you really, really nice fall colors. Um... There's, and the out in Sundry, actually, another one that work out there is the larch is a beautiful yellow one. Give you really, really nice fall colors. And, uh, yeah, give that a try, and hopefully uh, that will work out for you. And let's go to Tom. Oop, actually, Tom, I'm going to put you back on hold real quick, sorry. And, uh, and I'm just going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll get to Tom and Margot. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm going to go to the phone lines and I'm going to chat with Tom. Good morning, Tom. Hi, Merle. Hey, how can I help you? Hey, I have um, some aspens in my backyard. I think they're either quaking or trembling, you call them. Yep. And I have what I believe is canker on them. And yes. I'm just wondering, is there something I'm doing wrong, and is there anything I should do about it now? I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to lose some of these. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, what it's from is typically 
um, either some bark damage from the past, um, sometimes hail, or improper pruning if some stubs have been left. Um, typically, that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a tough one. Just trying to keep it clean. You can use a fungicide. Um, there's, it, it's just, and if if there's areas where there is stubs, is to is to fix the pruning on it. Um, if there's any of that, if there's damage, clean it out, and you can fill it with the lac balsam, and that oh. will help. Oh, sorry, what did you call that? Wax balsam? No, lac. It's L-A-C, balsam. It's out of Sweden. It's a European bark replacement that we bring in. Oh, okay. Um, that one would work, but you got to just make sure you clean it out really good, treat it with a, like a fungicide, like with Bordeaux or something like that. Um, but you just really have to look at the bark and see how far it's in. If it's in there quite a bit, it, it's a little harder to treat. So. Yeah, there's there's spots where you can actually see all the bark is gone, and you yeah. can see the inner. Yeah, inner no, unfortunately, tree. you're probably on the on the way out on that a bit. Oh, yeah, if it gets in there more and more, so some of you just got to evaluate it again. If you if you'd like to give uh, our guys Mark and uh, prune it up a call, they'd be more than happy to come by and have a look. Okay. Um, they do free quotes, and then he'd just give you an honest evaluation if he thinks he can treat it. Um, he will uh, if he if he maybe recommend to remove he, um, that's just something it's worth uh, um, having a look at that and assess it from there. Um, and something I was reading, do you think maybe it's because they were stressed? Now they don't ever get touched; they're in kind of a gravel area, so there's no wounds on them. But okay. maybe maybe I haven't been watering them enough or fertilizing them. Um, no, it, it's typically. Um, that could adhere to or could add to it because they do if something's weakened by this lack of water. But usually the aspens are fairly durable. If it's in rock, that's going to be drier, so you could have something there. So um, maybe try and give them a good fall fertilizer here. Okay. Um, the deep root injection would help, a good fall watering, and uh, and go from there. But typically that when it's oozing out, it's, like I said, it's usually from a broken branch or some sort of uh, a spot where you're going to see the ooze come out or if you're missing the bark like that or a hail damage because the aspen is quite a uh, soft bark. Right, right. All righty. Okay, well, thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, and I'm going to go down to Margo quick and get her in before the end of the show. Good morning, Margo. Hello. Um, I've got a lot of bees, yeah. and I live down on Bow Crescent, so I've got a big lot. But Love that place down there in Bow Crescent. Yeah. So things that I've found is uh, in the spring, you let the dandelions bloom until the other flowers come in, but we've got lots of squills and early flower yeah. bulbs. Yeah. And then poppies, we've got lots of Shirley's and Iceland poppies that the bees love. Yes. Speedwell and Veronica, they just mass on that, and I've got waves of Speedwell. Yeah. But what I've brought in is um, asters. Yeah. And they love the asters, which is late summer, but you got to cut the seed heads off once they start, when they're finished. You got yeah. deadheads, or you get it everywhere. And they spread by root as well. But the big thing is fireweed. I have a couple patches of fireweed, and they love that. Yes. But you really have to donate a bed that has some, some sun for fireweed because it spreads by yeah. root. Yeah, you have to be you have to be diligent on the keeping it contained. Yeah, but masses of bees. So I think that's. I think if we all do our part, there's yeah. I I do believe if we all have a uh, do our part to try and bring in some of those really nice flowers. Plus, you get the show of the flowers, 
um, it'll also help with the bees. And I know a lot of the the gardens and people look for maintenance free this and that, but it also takes away from a lot of the pollinators that yeah. uh, that we naturally have. And you could get it from your trees and shrubs. Like I said, the linden tree, I've never seen so many bees on that thing like crazy. So it's it just, it's nice to see. And so, and I, and you're very fortunate. You're in a little piece of paradise down there in Calgary and Bull Crescent. A lot of people don't know yeah, about that area. Beautiful. Absolutely. But, but I just wanted to say, because we've had hundreds of bees all summer and I can just stand on my sidewalk and listen to the bees and see the bees. Mm. It's just a wonderful experience. Awesome. And then I, I start to push my fireweed back like about a week or two ago. I started yep. to push it back so I could see what I actually had growing underneath. Yeah, nice. You know, because it does kind of take over. All but, right. But well, I just wanted to say, if everybody had a little patch of some of these things, we'd have lots more bees. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Margo. Okay. Great way to end the show. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And uh, again, thanks for all the condolences and all the the tributes to Rocky the cat. Uh, We we definitely miss him. And uh, until next week, we'll be here taking your calls and all the gardening here on Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR.